It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That crazy starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and aeroplanes. Many fruits are not afraid. I have a machine, listen to yourself, the world, but it don't need something to your own head. Beat it up and I've seen got no sheets. The land of fucking with the fear fight down. I fire in a fire, Mr. Sixth Southern Gang, and the government for hiring the combat site. But you wasn't coming in a hurry, the jury beat it down your neck. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. dark heart of the city, a mysterious figure known as Dr. Bones. What dark heart? I mean, it is bright out today, it's a beautiful sunny day, and there's no dark heart of the city, there's a bright, light, <laughs> wonderful heart of the city today. And we're in South Florida, that's and why it looks like that. That's right, and this is the hour of bloom, because I'm acting very bloomish. When I actually should be doomish. <laughs> All right. Well, this is the Survival Medicine Hour by Doom and Bloom. Or unless you want to say it's the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour. I think uh, that's what you usually say. That's what I usually say. But I also okay. add yes. that we are a warren of wonder in a worrisome world. It is a worrisome that's world. That's right. Uh, but I, Joe Alton, MD, also known as Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net, feel that we can get over it together. You're going to find That's on right. our doomandbloom.net website, by the way, over a thousand post videos and podcasts on medical preparedness for any disaster. Absolutely. And I am Amy Alton, also known as Nurse Amy, and I am an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. That's absolutely right. And together we are the dynamic duo, the medical matrimony, the hosts with the most... And we're here to help you keep it together, even if everything else falls apart. Well, we have decided to come back and do our thing in South Florida. We have been here for now a a little bit. We've been doing some small classes and having fun doing that, absolutely, in in our home state. But the truth of the matter is, is that we're going to be traveling. We're going to be up in the southeast in the next couple of months, we're going to be in North Carolina and in Tennessee, and we're going to spend in Atlanta. Yep, and in, oh, and Atlanta. That's on right. On our way up. That's right, and we're going get to have, to see my dad. That's right, get and then some my brother. Good friends and absolutely, <laughs> it will be terrific. Right, and Charlie and Courtney. That's right. That's right. And the new baby. And a new baby. The get new to baby. see a new baby. She loves to see the babies. Oh my gosh! Speaking of babies, our parrot laid an egg today. <laughs> 
so funny. What a the heck? Thirty-year-old parrot. Yep, we this thought is the for, second time that y- yep. we've, we've gotten eggs. Eggs out of him for the first thirty years we of keep our saying parrot's him. Li- life. Yeah, we've called it a him, but actually, I'm never going to stop calling it a him. We just she's a she. She's a she. So how about that? It's a beautiful, perfectly formed little egg. It looks so like a chicken egg, huge. except I guess about half the size or a third of the size. Probably it's a really third. I definitely very, say a third of the yeah, size. Yeah, third, third of the size. Just incredible. Well, so anyhow. Cute. Friends and neighbors. But we have no boy parrots, so we, we no, will not have not be not having grand baby, baby parrots. parrots. That's right. Friends and neighbors, have you been injured in an accident with a precocious possum? Well, our attorney says, don't call me, call Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. And listen to this. All information given and opinions voiced on Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's Survival Medicine Hour are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. No contract or provider-patient relationship exists or is implied between the hosts and listeners. Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. Yeah, but when modern medicines get up and go, has got up and went, well, because of some grid-ending event, you're going to have to figure out how to keep people healthy without all the gizmos and gigaws of modern technology. If that happens, will you have the knowledge? Will you have the training, the supplies to become the highest medical asset left and keep your family sound despite of times of trouble? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you something. It's time to show the world that you can do it, that you can get some training, get some education. While you're at it, how about a quality medical kit to go along with all that? You'll never have to prove your fortitude to me in any other way if you do. And I can't think of a better place to get that quality medical kit than Nurse Amy's entire line of often imitated, never equaled medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net. They'll help you deal with medical issues you'd face in any disaster and make your home, your workplace, your school, your church safer, and they are indeed designed by an honest-to-gosh medical doctor and nurse practitioner. Now, I want you guys out there to look at the store, look at the contents, compare our kits with others for their quality, their contents, their storage, and if you want more proof, check out our testimonials page at store.doomandbloom.net. See what folks just like you have to say about our kits and service. On top of all that, our kits are approved for your help or flexible savings accounts. Just look at our special HSA, FSA section in the store. Hey, you know, we learn as much from you as you do from us. So give us a whirl, Merle. Why not collect? Connect? Why not collect? Collect, why not collect from collect the geezer our email. And yes. Collect our email so you can write to us. There you go. That it's, makes sense. It's easy. And here's Nurse Amy to tell you how in a coherent manner, unlike what I <laughs> usually tell people how. You can email us anytime at drbonespodcast at aol.com. Find us on Facebook at our group, Survival Medicine Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our Facebook page, Doom and Bloom. That is a one-stop shopping for all of our articles and videos. We always put a link up of anything that we're doing there. Even this podcast. <laughs> That's true. And you can follow us on Twitter at Prepper Show. We also put up everything on there. And don't forget to check out our YouTube channel at DR Bones Nurse Amy. And if you forget all of that, go to Doom and Bloom. The top of the page has links to everything. So you can 
go to one place and find everything else. Doomandbloom.net. That's right. And hey, did I mention that you could find some of our articles other places too and other great websites throughout the interweb as well as actual magazines, great magazines as a matter of fact. Is that what people say? Interweb? In the interweb. I don't know if that's even a word, is it? (laughs) That's a good question. Could be. Uh, I like when you make things up anyway. Well, I'm not making this up. You will find our articles in a lot of issues of great magazines like Backwoods Home, American Survival Guide, Survivor's Edge. We've been Gosh, and just about every possible just survival magazine. homesteading magazine you right can Right now you have two articles in American Survival Guide. Oh, all right. Well, And I know you have you one go. or two coming out in Survivor's Edge. That's right. Well, I'll tell you one thing that we are very honored to have the confidence of great folks at both of those magazines, the top magazines, I think, mm-hmm. in their genre. And we are glad to be a part of their families. Absolutely. Now, I just want one more plug here. I'm a little shameless, so I, I hope you will forgive oh, me. Oh, honey, you don't need any plugs. Yes, I need hair plugs. <laughs> and I need no, a plug don't. for our new book. <laughs> That's right, Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease, The Layman's Guide to Available Antibacterials in Austere Settings. And it is a detailed look into the fish and bird antibiotics and the infections they're helpful to cure and prevent. It's all about, gosh, you know what? It is about 300 pages of all the stuff that I've been talking about and writing about for so many years. And I believe, honestly, in my heart that it would save a number of otherwise unavoidable deaths and makes them avoidable. If you can nip an infection in the bud, you can indeed save a life. And and, and you're going to find all that information in Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease. I can confidently say you've not read a book like this from a medical professional, at least. It is outside the conventional wisdom, and it's not stuff you're going to learn in CERC classes or even from even books like Where There Is No Doctor doesn't tell you this stuff. You're going to find out about a lot of different disease-causing organisms, all sorts of antibiotics, how they work, how to use them wisely, the individual antibiotics and the diseases that each one treats, and the doses and the side effects and the allergies, the pregnancy and pediatric considerations, all sorts of stuff. We teach you how to establish a good epidemic sick room, how to deal with wound infections, how to do open wound care, all sorts of stuff that you would find very useful if you are the medically responsible person in your family if something goes wrong. I'm telling you, you're going to want Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease, The Layman's Guide to Available Antibacterials and Austere Settings in your survival library. Find it on Amazon or on, or on our website at doomandbloom.net. Remember, our books are meant for situations where there is not a functioning modern medical system. If there is, get to a certified medical professional right away. Don't treat yourself as a legal to practice medicine without a license. How about that? Bet you didn't know that. Well, actually, I bet you did. If they've been listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about which, you know, I've been talking about antibiotics, and a lot of people ask me which antibiotics that they should have in their survival storage. And we talk in our book about probably about 14 antibiotics or so, and some of all of them are good for their own purposes. There's remember no antibiotic cures all diseases, and each one of them has their own purpose. But some of them are maybe more useful than others, more versatile than others. So let's 
we'll talk a little bit about that. I think that that's really, really important. Now, if a disaster throws you off the grid, you're you got that risk of traumatic injury, and also that risk of infection. Now, some people think of infection as something that only occurs oh because of some kind of catastrophe involving an epidemic. But the truth of the matter is, is that any catastrophe can increase the number of people with infections simply because of injuries that occur just from activities of daily survival. I mean, most Think of these... about what happened probably in Alabama with the tornadoes that just right. came through. All those they had debris everywhere before injuries. first responders could even get into the area. People were out with just their bare hands trying to pull pieces of buildings and walls and furniture and all kinds of sharp objects glass can you imagine all the broken glass right looking for people looking that are for, missing for maybe. family yeah, members or, or people that they just knew that could be trapped underneath these piles of debris i mean it doesn't have to be oh we have armageddon and the whole world has been destroyed it, could, it this is a local thing that happened and people could have all kinds of injuries and because of all the debris i'm sure it was really difficult for the fire trucks and the ambulances to even get right on the spot where some of the people were injured. They probably had to transport people, you know, on stretchers, making a path as they go to these ambulances or, or to fire trucks, whatever they could use to get out. And that kind of disaster is actually one of the less problematic because you know that maybe the power isn't on now, but it's going to be on eventually. It's right. going to be on and maybe in a few days. Right. And indeed, there is somewhere, maybe it could be 50 miles away or it could be 100 miles away, but there is somewhere Hopefully. that's going to have a functioning hospital. Something, something but, that's not affected. But right. I'm, talking, I'm, I'm talking mostly about long-term survival scenarios. Right. That's when you're going to need your antibiotics most. That's true. That, and that's why you should have them in your medical storage. I mean, these are horrific events, all of these things that yes. we're mentioning. Is what you said was just terrible, and it, and it just happened in Alabama. Several people died. 23, I think. I think, it was, yeah, I think 23. you're right. That's, That's a lot the of people. number that came to yeah, my more head, than, too. More than a score so of people. Sad. Uh, but dirty wounds, contaminated water, poorly prepared food, inadequate sanitation, these are long-term issues that will take previously healthy people and make them into desperately sick ones. If you have antibiotics in your medical storage, however, you have a good shot of nipping those infections in the bud and not having them, well, that could lead to tragic consequences. Now, one of the most frequent questions that I get from readers and listeners and viewers is which antibiotics to have on hand in survival settings. We've talked in the past as to how much you should have in terms of quantity, but which are the ones that are going to be most useful? I mean, we've actually gotten a flurry of this exact same question from a lot of different people lately in response to our new book, Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease. And because in, in the book, I discuss, well, a number of antibiotics and, well, infectious disease. And the infections to be expected in those people that are knocked off the grid and the antibiotics obtainable by the average person that will help prevent otherwise avoidable deaths, well, some of them are predictable and some of them are not. And some of those antibiotics are easy to choose and some of them are, well, maybe situational. Now, by the way, I just want to say, I do not sell antibiotics. I do not own a part of a company that does sell antibiotics. So for I just want to tell you that I'm not doing this because I want to sell you antibiotics. I just 
believe honestly in my heart and have for many years that this would save some lives in times of trouble. Now, sure, it would be great if you had the financial resources to have all of the medicines that we talk about in Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease, but that's beyond the means of almost everybody. You probably have to pick a limited number to stockpile, but which ones? Chances are, if you lined up 10 doctors, you probably get 10 different answers. They probably fight with each other and call each other terrible names and things like that. Not me. I'm me- I'm a mellow dude, but... <laughs> <laughs> Terrible names. I don't wrestle. Think so, honey. They'd wrestle. I, I think they would have a civil They'd wrestle. Co- There'd be wrestling going on. I doubt it. They'd be wrestling. <laughs> There's only a couple doctors that I know are <laughs> like that, not, well, and not you. <laughs> I've, known, I've known more than a couple. Yeah. But anyhow, your choices for antibiotics really should depend on the infections that you're most likely to encounter. Is it wound infections that you're concerned about? Or are you concerned about the quality of the water in the area you're you're at or you're going to go to? Concern maybe about intestinal infections like cholera or dysentery, things like that. Or maybe somebody in your group has a medical condition that makes them prone to certain infections. Certainly, you know, one drug does not cure all. I think I said that already, but I just want to make sure that you realize that. And without knowing your individual situation, I can't give you guys out there major specifics and tell you exactly which ones you should get. One, two, three, four, five, six. I'm actually going to number a few of them. I'm going to give you about a half a dozen of them. And the first couple, I, I do feel everybody should have. And the next, I think you should have some of them. So if you can't afford to buy all six, which actually is not a bad idea, well, then just get two, three, four, maybe different ones. You really want to be able to handle a wide variety of infections. So I'm going to give you my personal recommendations of a few antibiotics that you'll find in aquarium and avian form. You can get these without a prescription. You can get these in bulk. And these would be assets, in my opinion, they would be assets in my survival medicine cabinet. And so I believe they'll be assets in yours. So I mean, this talk on this particular subject would be way too long to mention every disease that these d- drugs treat or dosing. Uh, you know, we our book is like 300 pages, 322 pages long, so can't do that, but I'll mention a little bit about each. All right, so number one, for those who aren't allergic to penicillin, I think something, I think something like amoxicillin, amoxil, uh, otherwise known as fishmox, or cephalexin, keflex, or fishflex, these are both members of the same family, the beta-lactam family. Okay, one's a penicillin and one is called the cephalosporin. Well, these would be good drugs to have around, especially for situations where there might be soft tissue infections, wound infections, and they certainly would help with bacterial upper respiratory infections. Not all upper respiratory infections are bacterial. A lot of them are viral, won't help those. But they are useful because the dosing is relatively simple, and in most cases, it's safe for pregnant women. There are uh, dose categories for pediatric pediatric patients, for kids. So this is something that I think is a good, good start. But of course, you may have people that are allergic to penicillin and uh, amoxicillin or, or Keflex. Neither of them actually cover everything. And so, secondly, you might consider having another antibiotic called doxycycline. 
Doxycycline is also known as bird biotic. I think it's, is that vibromycin? Doxycycline? Good idea. We'll find it. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've used a, a brand a name. Brand name version I know, of right. doxycycline. Well, they're all it, they're you know all why? generic because it's been generic forever. Right. right, and you know, Bird Biotic is uh, is the actual brand that I've been working with the most. So it's sort of funny, uh, but in any case, brand I would have name. I would have some doxycycline. Yes, vibromycin. Vibromycin, okay, or vibrotabs. Uh, these are. It's got there's tons of them. Monodox, but are they Adoxa? Okay, there you look. go. Oh, I see. Yeah, I do see tons and others. Quite, a, well, quite it's a because bit. it's been Dorix. like I said. Oh, I remember Dorix. Yeah, well, sure enough. So there are a lot of brand names for the doxycycline. The brand name in the fish and bird antibiotics is Bird Biotic. And anyhow, doxycycline handles a lot of different infections of the respiratory and intestinal tracts. It's okay to take if you're allergic to penicillin. Now, it's not considered, unfortunately, acceptable for use during pregnancy, though. So it is something that you have to be aware that that's not an option during pregnancy. you got people who are pregnant, can't use it. For those who claim doxycycline becomes toxic, I keep hearing that because it's a tetracycline family drug. They say that, oh, it becomes toxic when it expires. I want you guys to know that the Department of Defense's Shelf Life Extension Program has in the past authorized the use of doxycycline well beyond the expiration dates. There was indeed for a few for a period of time a few years ago a big shortage of doxycycline due to a huge military order that was made and so they ex- the, they extended the use of the drug that's called an emergency use authorization for, I think, five years or maybe even ten years beyond the expiration date. It's pretty amazing. but And it, it just goes to show that it is not the kind of drug that's going to cause major damage. Now, of course, if you're starting off with very bad kidney disease or very bad liver disease, it may not be a great idea. But what can I tell you? Now, another drug, third drug that I think is a good idea is metronidazole, also known as flagyl or fishzole. That's a drug which I consider very useful, especially for intestinal infections from bacteria and also from certain parasites like Giardia uh, that are seen in intestinal and pelvic infections, among other different types. It's used with other antibiotics sometimes in those people that have stubborn infections and need to use a combination of drugs. Well, for example, appendicitis. Uh, along with another antibiotic for situations where surgery might not be an option. You might see some people using metronidazole and another drug and together. And it's considered to be acceptable in those that are allergic to penicillin, but it's not okay for pregnant or breastfeeding mothers. Then there is azithromycin. Azithromycin is most well known as ZPAC or bird zithro, and it's known to be generally safe in pregnancy as well as in those people with penicillin allergies. So that is awesome to have a drug that is like that, and you might consider that high up on your list. It can deal with a lot of cases of respiratory infection, certain dysenteries, tonsillitis, sinusitis, all sorts of different things. And uh, an additional benefit is that many people in your group have taken it before in that it's popular z form. Uh, how many of you out there have been 
prescribed ZPAC in your life by a doctor before having some kind of bacterial bronchitis or other kind of, of illness, well, probably quite a few. So a lot of these people you know are going to be tolerant of it and be able to handle it. Another drug that's, I think, very useful is called clindamycin, also known as cleosin, brand name, or fishcin, C-I-N. And that would be on my list. Uh, it's been used to treat everything from acne to anthrax, but it's helpful especially for pneumonias, pelvic infections, uterine infections after childbirth or miscarriage, soft tissue infections, even effective against MRSA. It's unlike doxycycline and metronidazole, ex also acceptable for, uh, but, but like azithromycin, also acceptable for use during pregnancy and in people that are allergic to penicillin. Now, I just want to say something about that. You could be allergic to clindamycin or any other antibiotic itself. In other words, just because you can use a drug that is acceptable in people that are allergic to penicillin doesn't mean that you might not be allergic to clindamycin or might not have some adverse effect to clindamycin. Almost everything has an adverse effect that's possible. In clindamycin's case, it's actually a pretty severe intestinal inflammation called colitis, and that could become very serious. Luckily, it doesn't happen very often, but it is something that can happen. It, that's the case with that particular antibiotic, but, it's, uh, but there's always some kind of adverse reaction that can occur with any drug. And the last drug that I want you to consider, antibiotic I want you to consider, is sulfa drugs. Sulfa drugs is actually one of the first antibiotics ever produced, and it is a combination of sulfamethoxazole and trimethoprin, two different drugs in the sulfa family, and it's known as Bactrim or Septra in uh, uh, human brands, and, or fish sulfa forte is the other name for it. It's uh, an excellent choice for many infections, especially in the urinary tract, especially in the urinary tract. So if that's a common problem for some of your family members, you might consider having some of this drug handy. It's also been used for skin infections, some sinusitis, MRSA, works for MRSA, ear infections, and other things. Sulfa drugs are acceptable for the penicillin allergic, but not a good idea for either breastfeeding or pregnant women. So... Those are my list of a half a dozen that you might consider. You may notice that I didn't mention Cipro. A lot of other lists of antibiotics will include Cipro. Uh, Ciprofloxacin is what the generic name is. Fish flox is a fish name. But uh, an, that's an antibiotic, and, it's, and it is effective against many infections from an antibiotic-killing bacteria standpoint but has some significant issues when it comes to side effects, including weakness in the muscles and tendons. And since that would be a pretty bad thing to have to deal with if you were on your own in a survival setting, that sort of precluded my adding it. Still an option for some people, and some people swear by it. Some people think it's the devil. Everybody is a little different. And in my case, I have not included it in uh, my top six. So in, in our book, I would just want to say, our, uh, in our book, Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease, we describe the different antibiotics families in detail. And the ones that I mentioned, the six antibiotics that I gave you, all belong to different families. Now, why would that matter? Well, the truth is that if you can accumulate some of each, 
in different families over time, and tell you, you don't have to do this all at once, just do it over time, it would give you the best chance of having a medicine on hand that would have activity against almost any bacterial infection. I mean, you have just a bunch of different families of antibiotics. They all work differently to kill or to suppress bacteria, and having members of different families might be a good idea. Now, it's important for you to know that every single medication that I mentioned has its share of side effects uh, and reasons why they might be dangerous in some people. I mentioned liver disease and kidney disease. That is very true. These things could be a problem. So you should try to do your best to recognize the signs and symptoms of of kidney and liver disease, for example, and of course the signs and symptoms of various infections, all the infections that you might actually come upon and have to confront in a survival setting. These are things that I talk about in the book. Remember that antibiotics are not useful at all against viral infections. We talk about how to identify bacterial versus viral infections in our book. And so that's at all. And by the way, you don't have to buy our book. You find all this information over the course of time if you just go through the over 1,000 articles that we have on our website. You know, antibiotics are not candy and they should be used judiciously and rarely in survival settings. They're going to be scarce commodities. They're going to be irreplaceable in a societal collapse. So accumulate a supply, utilize them wisely. To accomplish that goal requires not just funds, but a fund of knowledge and good judgment. If you're successful, indeed, you might just save the life of someone who otherwise might not survive in times of trouble. Hey, I just want to talk a, a little bit. Well, we're here today with our good friend, Charlie Hogwood, former Army recon and author of the Bible, I think, for survival group Harmony, and that is called the Survival Group Handbook, and that has been, well, on the market for a few years, thousands of copies sold. I certainly hope you guys out there have gotten your copy. You'll find it on Amazon, and is there anywhere else where uh, the book is, where that book Uh, is? You can find yeah, you can find that on our website if you wanted to order a copy directly from us. Primarily, it'll be on Amazon to be the easiest place to get it. All right, sounds good. And uh, this book that we're going to be talking about is a foray into post-apocalyptic fiction. And I want you to tell me a little bit about the book, what's the premise of the book, and, and let's talk about that. Well, uh, I'm glad you asked. This is, um, so after writing a couple of nonfiction books already, uh, I decided I wanted to try a a hand at a story Uh, because in our experience, and you know as well as I do, we've met so many people in our industry, Joe, over the last years that we've got a lot of material. (laughs) And um, it came out that we said, why don't we try writing a book on a pandemic? So it, it really encompasses uh, what would happen as the follow-on effects of a large emergency? So that's kind of why why I chose this route. Um, it was a lot more fun to write a fiction book than it was nonfiction, and um, I'm really I'm really having a great time with it. Yeah, I think that that would be awesome. I'd love to do that one day. I mean, I'd wind up writing all these nonfiction books, all full of scientific information and stuff like that and it can get boring for me 
as the person writing it, I'm uh, hoping that the information is useful for people. But it's true that writing fiction is great. You get to sort of create your own world and your own characters. And well, tell me a little bit of how how did you get your character? Listen, especially, I mean, when I, as I read the book, I was shocked about this doctor. I mean, filing his teeth to a point and eating all those babies. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I'm not sure which book you're reading, Joe. Oh, no, that wasn't your book. Oh, okay. Well, tell, uh, tell us about your characters so, in your book. <laughs> well, here's, here's the funny thing. is It's like I was saying. We've met so many people along the way in our journey in the survival industry, uh, a lot of great people. We've, we've met a lot of people that have had some outlandish stories. And along the way, as part of being prepared, you know, just like you and – and, and everybody else that takes this business seriously, we, we've done just a, a lot of research. And the problem is, is the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. And it started coming together into a story in that viruses, which is, is something that you talk about, how they're the, the smallest killer, but uh, that could have a, a really bad effect uh, as a pandemic might break out. And... Uh, yeah, all the doctors are always like, well, it's it's only a matter of time. It's not if, but when this will happen. So the characters that I put together in this uh, were were kind of based on people that we know. <laughs> and um, and yes, the the good doctor might have some resemblance to to the old Doctor Bones. <laughs> uh, oh, look he's on the, that on the... <laughs> scary, huh? <laughs> <laughs> he is a scary character. So Dr. Bones is an, uh, is an infectious disease doctor who was deployed to the Doctors Without Borders. He was handling the Ebola situation in Liberia, throughout Africa. He'd been, you know, all over the world doing these kind of things. And and uh, his his nurse, the you know, which ended up being his wife, had had joined him on these journeys, these expeditions into third world countries and stuff. And they decided that they were going to move back to South Florida and uh, get a little bit more of a cushy life in a, in a nice, you know, first world hospital and kind of work their days out towards retirement. Yeah. Flushing so toilets. that was them. Flushing toilets. <laughs> running water, yes, flushing right. toilets, things like that. Flushing toilets, running water, you know, you got food when you want it, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Absolutely. So they had lived out in tents for, for too long. They were ready to come back and just kind of mail it in more or less for the rest of their their career, and um, so that's that was their background. The background of the main character, uh, Cal Bohannon, he was a general contractor. Uh, with him, he had never really thought too much about preparedness. He was a former army scout. He was, but not total military. None of the characters in this book are. Are, are super tactical heroes. The, the characters are all based on real-world people, personalities that, that, I, that I've met, that I've known, that I've learned, that I've come to love. And, and because I was able to embrace those personalities, uh, I think I was better able to bring them to life in their own, their dialect, how they speak, you know, their mannerisms, the, the way they interact and banter with each other, the way they don't get along with each other, all of that kind of stuff. So uh, the main character's wife, Charlotte, she is, uh, she's a lawyer, and uh, she had zero experience in anything to do with survival. They have their little toddler with them, baby Tempest. We have Rusty. Um, Rusty has managed to be quite the breakout character in the book. 
He, it's yeah, based on yeah. a, a very I wild guy. Him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed him as a character, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> very wild character. Uh, massive personality um, all over the place. And then we had a couple of the country folk. We had some we had the the older hippie uh Glendora the you know she kind of came up in the 60s she was all about you know kind of farming not vegan or anything like that but just a little bit more laid back and then we have Tim the engineer who um who was a single guy who just kind of kind of got associated you know obliquely with the group and kind of fell right in and um we have uh, Heidi which would be Rusty's wife and so it kind of goes on. We've got a, and we've got a, a couple of characters that kind of come in and out through the story. That I mean, we experience everything in here from human trafficking, um, viruses, the the bio surveillance in the country, and, and what happens when when germs come in uh, through unregulated ports of entry and, and things of that nature. And um, and then. The goal really was just to what would happen in my own my world my 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 experience I wanted to create is what would happen if normal everyday people started thinking you know what maybe we should think about getting prepared a little bit just for you know storms and hurricanes because they're in South Florida and before they can pull it off maybe something something goes wrong and they're not quite ready so how will they react? Certainly, you you put together. A lot of likable characters, a lot of people that I think the average reader can relate to. So nobody's Rambo exactly. Nobody's a superhero. They, these people are regular folk, and they're just trying to survive. And indeed, things don't always don't always go right. Well, what's it like? And that's what happens in a real life scenario. So what's it like writing about things like that? Things that could be a real life scenario. Well, that's the. I mean, that was really – it was both fun and terrifying at the same time. And we've been very fortunate to get all five-star reviews so far, every one of them. And, and the common thread among the reviews is people are terrified that this kind of thing could actually happen. So it kind of opens their eyes to it a little bit. But what I enjoyed writing about it is I come up with the storyline, and as you start to create the story – and you, you detach yourself from, from reality and you go in there, you start having conversations between people, the story unfolds in front of you. And, and as it unfolds, I say, okay, well, now I need to inject a problem. I need to create some conflict. And right. it's almost like I can see the characters like, oh, wow, we've got to deal with this. And, and they don't have enough background. They don't have the experience. And a lot of people think they're prepared. Until they they face that situation, and now they're working more on just muscle memory or or their own experiences or interpretation of what they think should happen, and it doesn't always work out, and it becomes very painful sometimes, and challenging. Now, why did you pick? <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll say right. Now, why did you pick a pandemic? Why not an EMP or other disaster, atomic detonation or something? Well, because the the way I did this is I kind of. I, I, I'm a news junkie, and I kind of ripped a lot of the events in this book right out of the current headlines. The, as you read through the book, you'll see that a lot of this stuff is already happening or, or threatening to happen. The reason I picked a pandemic instead of an EMP is kind of – I think it, it, it fit into a, a something that could cause 
the unraveling of society, the, the, the fragile threads of society, which is why we call the book The Unraveling, uh, something that would unravel it rather quickly, but not so quickly that it would be perceptible. Sure, so it, right. An EMP would be an automatic, the, the entire country just about off-grid almost immediately. And, you know, as the book's title says, The Unraveling, it takes a little while. It goes fast, but it takes a little while for things to totally go down the, uh, well, porcelain throne. <laughs> well, it does. But see, here's the thing is the way that it's established, and I don't want to give away any spoilers, but the way this kind of sneaks in, is it starts to happen, but people are so caught up in their everyday lives, their own what we like to call the normalcy bias, that they, they don't take it serious. They're like, oh, our medical system will catch it. Our medical system takes care of everything, or I'm too busy in my own world of everyday life with kids and sports and everything else to pay attention to that. Somebody else has got this. And the thing is, is if they think that until all of a sudden they don't have services or resources or something's not working or you can't just get gas or you, the phone stops working and you're like, okay, well, what do I do now? Or rolling brownouts. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of follow-on effects. In this, in this industry of survival, we have this big problem where everybody prepares for an EMP. They prepare for you know, these big events, but they're not preparing for the follow-on second and third order effects of these things, which could be reduced services. How do we reach family? What's our, do we even have a communication plan if the phone stopped working? So what I did is I, pre, I created a failure, a cascading type of failure that kind of rolls in and out, on and off, and then to make the groups like, well, the phone doesn't work. Oh, it'll come back on a little while. You know, that's their attitude. Right, right. They, they still don't think that this is a big situation until it's well underway and it's past the point of no return. Well, a lot of people don't realize that, indeed, there are these phases that you go through. There would be a phase uh, in, in a true, you know, long-term disaster. There would be a phase where silver and gold, things like that, you know, that you're always told that you should be accumulating, uh, you know, with that, those will have value. But, you know, years down the road, assuming that society doesn't restabilize, well, silver and gold, maybe not worth so much, not, not worth as much as ammunition, perhaps, and food and, or medical supplies. So, so yeah, abs- absolutely. So, well, you'll find, the- you'll find out that in this, you know, all that stuff that we all try to collect and, and, and have might not be available, or you might not be able to carry it, or you might carry it and lose it, and you might have to, to secure it again. That's mm-hmm. what... That, that's where a lot of the fun really starts is when they're like, okay, well, we were kind of prepared, but now we're not. So Right, sure. If you have, if you have to move from uh, place to place, you know, and that, that is a big distinct possibility. You know, you, a lot of people uh, want to sort of bug in and want to have everything in place where they have all their supplies. Sometimes that's not possible. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me a little bit about who you're marketing this book to? Is this book uh, just for the general public? I mean, I, I remember that uh, James Wesley Rawls, uh, his fiction books had so much uh, technical stuff that it was really only specifically for preppers. Is this, is this a prepper book? I've read Rawls, um, and he's got a couple of great books, but you're correct. They, they are, they're a certain niche. 
Um, I could have focused this directly towards preppers and, and people like that, but I chose not to. I want my goal, just as is yours in our real life survival businesses, are to get people prepared. So I went more the the wide uh, public audience, kind of like uh, like Fortune did with one second after. It, the goal here is that is readable for somebody that is not a prepper. As a matter of fact, a couple of the reviews that I've got, actually a number of the reviews that we've gotten so far, are from people that we don't even know that are not preppers. Uh, and they're like, we have no interest in prepping. That was never our goal. But this story was just captivating in, in, a, in a human interest kind of, you know, makes you shiver when you realize what they're up against in, in these different situations. So that's where I wanted to go mainstream with this. And, oh, and, that's, and that's if I can fiction. get other people to do it, then great. That is a definition of good fiction, and, and that appeals to everybody. We're down here in South Florida. Why did you pick Florida? <laughs> well, you know as well as I do, I was born and raised in Florida, and uh, I wrote this story to begin in an area that I lived up until about a, almost two years ago. And the reason I chose it is because I have a lot of experience with emergency management down there, uh, and I know all of the natural hazards, the technological hazards, and the stuff that can that can fail. And I had intimate knowledge of that, and I was able to mentally create that that environment and a lot of people say well uh, don't go to Florida or do go to Florida for you know for their bug out location so I wanted to kind of create kind of a was this a good idea to be here or was it not do we need to leave do we need to stay kind of a scenario and it allows us to to use some of those technological hazards that might fail you know throughout the story and you'll have to wait and see you know, until book two, if they if they stay there or if they go somewhere else. Yes, that will be interesting. Well, you know, pe- characters are on the move. Now, speaking of your characters, they are relatable, everyday folks, as you had mentioned. And a lot of these books uh, in post-al- post-apocalyptic fiction books don't have folks like this. They have these guys that are, that could be, they could be mercenaries in Uganda, you know, as the lead character. How come you didn't go that route? You know, usually have yeah. this super guy. <laughs> I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to keep it real. I wanted to, to really go to the mainstream. I think a lot of a lot of the books in this genre have you know some kind of Rambo super action hero or a group of them who are now taking on the world. And I didn't want that to be the case. In this case, I want the world to be closing in on everyday you know neighbors and friends and family. And um, how would they react? Now, they, you know, every character in this book, before I even started writing, I created a persona, a psyche, and a skill set, and, and basically a biography of each individual character, every, all the way down to the toddler. What are your mannerisms? What are your skills and all that? And then I, I post those up, and then when I bring them into a paragraph when I'm writing or into a scene, I remember this is the character I built. This is how they'll act. This is how they'll talk. This is their attitude. Are they pushy? Are they introverted? And I put my head in, in that character and say, okay, this is how we're going to do it. Because I want it to be relatable to, to you and your family. I want you to say, I know somebody just like that. Maybe this is how they would act in that situation. Because in the theater of the mind, I want you to put a face to the characters that you're reading so you really get you know, engrossed in the story. 
Well, that's sort of neat. You know, it's actually you just gave us what is almost a lesson in, in writing fiction is you plot out what your characters are like, you know, what their mannerisms are like, you know, how they would think in a certain situation. And each one, of course, being different people, you know, would do that differently. And so I think that's that's pretty cool. And uh, the well, uh, and you had to do it, obviously, with a, with a bunch of people. And you are indeed a survival group guru. So I'm not surprised that you went with a group of people, but uh, a lot of these books have this sort of lone wolf, loner kind of guy, you know, anti-hero maybe. Why didn't you go with that scenario? Well, be- because of my background in, in dealing with groups, and it, it made it – it just makes more sense to me. I think it's more realistic. I'm, remember in the survival group handbook, I wrote about this thing that I figured out called the independence conflict, where we all want to be uh, on our own because we don't want other people telling us what to do because of our type, type of personality. But we do realize that there's a benefit to meaning in a group. And humans being a social creature in the first place uh, just will naturally come together. You've already got your family and you, gotta, you can't sleep you know, by yourself you know, and expect to have everything taken care of. So I think that they start looking around. They say, hey, you know, you got this skill, and you get, you're a doctor, and you're a nurse, and you're, you're a little bit more of a tactical-minded person, or you're a contractor. And it just kind of – this book brought it together naturally, and it was really about family, and it was about skills that, and people that can – team dynamics that just naturally form, and right. the ones that don't naturally form. Well, you know, there are a lot of people that – can be maybe jacks of all trades, but the truth of the matter is that most people are good at some things and they don't know much of anything about a lot of other stuff. You know, you asked me to build a cabin, I couldn't do it. But if you asked me to take you apart and put you back together, I probably could do that pretty well. So (laughs) that's right. Specialization is for insects, according to Robert (laughs) Heinlein. (laughs) So what do you want people to take away from the unraveling after they read it? What, what's the lesson? There is there is there a lesson is there a moral there? I think the lesson is I want I want them to join me on this journey to to kind of peek behind the curtain of what is a very plausible and realistic scenario that pretty much every medical professional and, and all of the world health agencies will say is bound to happen and say okay well if that happened let's let's war game it let's walk through this how would this work for us what would we be up against. That's how I told the story, and if, if, you, if you pick it up and you realize, even though I wrote the book on survival groups and how to do it, these people didn't get a chance to read it <laughs> and actually get anywhere in it before they got together, and that was my goal is, well, they kind of they kind of got caught up in their daily lives. They made an effort, but they only got part of the way there, and I want them to – I want people to look at this and say – that could be a problem for us. Why don't we prepare just a little bit? Just get a couple of days with the food and get started. Because I think once you do that, the bug will bite That's you a, start. a little bit more. A thousand mile journey starts with the first step, right? That's right. That's right. So looking at it, maybe not all the story arcs for each of the characters are maybe complete. It sounds like the beginning of a great series. Yeah. They, uh, right now, the, the series is intended to go to three books. I don't think I'll carry it beyond three. I think I can get the point across with the with the three books and each of the three books will be completely different the second book i'm already about two-thirds of the way through and it is an entirely different book than the first book i didn't want it to be more of the same 
So it's, it's super fast. It reads more like a movie script. The first book we had some setup to get going. Uh, so everybody knew what was coming up, what was going on. The second book is a racehorse. Wow, that's awesome. Well, I can't wait for it. Who's your favorite character in the book? Everybody, every, every author, every author has a favorite character. Tell me about yours. I think I don't tell Rusty I said this, but <laughs> I think I have the most fun with with writing the Rusty character's role because oh. he's just so over the top. And I mean the sarcasm, the wit, the you know the rush to judgment, the the good decisions, the bad decisions, the the wide array of moods that he goes through, whether it's you know just kind of like uh, moody and you know, or is he just you know slapstick? It kind of does that. So I would say I go <laughs> maybe with the rusty character. Yeah, I agree with you. He's my favorite character as well. Like he's, he's he's got some humor in him. He's serious. He's got some skills. I mean, uh, he's he's mine too. Well, I'll tell you what. I hope that everybody out there goes out and gets a copy of The Unraveling. It's going to be the it's the first book and what I am expecting to be an awesome series. And Charlie, thank you so much for coming to visit us today. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you, Joe. Tell me a little I bit. I appreciate about, it very much. Oh, you're so welcome. And uh, tell us again how we can get a hold of your book and how to get a hold of your other resources. If you go to uh, Amazon.com and look up The Unraveling, book one of the Bound to Survive series, you'll see it, and it'll have three characters on the front of the book in front of a, a hospital that seems worse for wear. And you can get it in Kindle. You can get it in paperback. Uh, we haven't uh, we haven't set up the audio side. I do need an audio narrator, so I know we talked about that. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. I'll do it. <laughs> and we just had a baby, and we launched a book at the same time, so we are <laughs> up to our ears in in activities. So yes, um, a lot of a lot of births going on there. Birth of uh, <laughs> intellectual human beings. See, there you go. There I'm with you, and we of course. Miss you down here in Florida. I know you're in Georgia now, and uh, we hope to see you soon. I hope so, too. We're looking forward to it. I appreciate you, Joe. Thanks so much. Say hello to Nurse Amy for us, and um, we look forward to hearing you guys again soon. All right. Sounds great. Take care. All right. Well, that's our friend, Charlie Hogwood. I hope that you enjoyed our interview with him, and I hope you got a copy of his book, The Unraveling. It's actually quite entertaining. I enjoyed it a lot. And that is all the time we have for this week's episode of the survival medicine hour i hope you will tune in next week when we'll have all sorts of other exciting stuff to talk about you've been listening to the doom and bloom hour with medical preparedness experts dr bones and nurse amy check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine gardening natural remedies medical supplies and lots of other good stuff Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.